We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall never surrender until in God's good time, the new world with all its power and might steps forth to the rescue and the liberation of people. In times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left. On today's show, I'm going to discuss our alma maters, our other mothers, nourishing mothers. Alma mater is Latin for nourishing mother, other mother. And if our other mother is willing to sell her children's soul at the altar of the LGBTQIACRTSJWBLM altar, then our other mother is little more than a prostitute. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. Good morning and welcome to The Rebellion. Thanks so much for listening into the show. A little bit of uh, housekeeping this morning. We have a power outage out here in my neck of the woods. It's pitch black, zero power. So I'm actually running off of a generator this morning. I don't think you can hear it here in the studio, but if you do hear a minor buzz, that's the explanation, and I apologize for that. Hopefully, we'll be back to normal in tomorrow's show. But I wanted to make sure to get this particular program out to you because I think it's very important. This is another show that's going to focus on the corruption of the Academy the downfall of the ivory tower. Frankly, the ivory tower has become the Tower of Babel. We don't even understand what the point of the tower was in the first place. We're arguing over the very definition of the bricks. As you know, I used this analogy in an earlier show, playing off of Noelle Maring's book, Awake Not Woke, where she talks about the Tower of Babel being emblematic of our culture that we've lost the ability to communicate with one another because we don't even understand our basic terms, terms like women. We can't even define the term woman, female, girl any longer, and therefore a woman doesn't exist. A girl doesn't exist. A female is not even a fact any longer. We've dumbed down the definition of the bricks, if you will, to nothing but fantasies and fabrications, delusions. And therefore, you can't build anything if the material you're using is nothing but sand sifting through the fingers of your hands. You get my point here? We are at a time in our culture where we, where we have lost the very ability to define the very concepts that we intend to convey to one another. And why? Why have we lost this ability? Well, it goes back to our schools. If our schools buy into the lie of LGBTQIA, SJW, CRT, BLM, and why do I put all of those initials together into one long acronym? Because they're all grounded in the same thing. They're grounded in hubris. They're grounded in arrogance. They're grounded in this idea that you can define yourself. There's nothing objective outside of yourself that defines you. It all boils down to your feelings, that you will define the self, that the self, the human being, the being that you are has nothing to do with reality. It's all subjective. It's all emotional. It's all in keeping with SEL, social emotional learning, which is another set of letters I could have added to the alphabet soup of lunacy that we're now in. But again, we've talked about this before. 
we've talked about the alphabet soup of subject of subjective identity. And that's what I want to talk about again today. And I'm going to give you some specific examples of a school district here in Northeast Oklahoma that has bought the lie. And they don't want to admit it because in a recent school board election, the incumbent kept denying that this stuff was going on in our schools. But I've got examples that it is. I have screenshots that people have sent me. I have personal testimonies from fathers who are disturbed with what their sons are coming home and telling them with regard to their daily experience in the local high school. We know that certain books are in the library, etc., etc., etc. We know that critical theory is being discussed in this school. Uh, Systemic racism and privilege, intersectionality, judging people by the color of their skin rather than the content of their character teaching consent as a measure of sexual morality rather than some objective standard that says, no, it doesn't matter whether you can get somebody to consent to your libidinous desires. Uh, That doesn't make it right. Just because you can find somebody to consent to something doesn't make something that was wrong five seconds ago all of a sudden right now. That makes no sense. Well, anyway, this stuff is going on in your backyard, and I'm going to use the school district here in Bartlesville, Oklahoma, as an example, the canary in the mind, if you will, that says that when you drop yourself down into the coal mine and you find yourself sucking air or there's poisonous gas down there and you look around and you see the canary is dead, you better get out of there because the poisonous gases that killed the canary are about to kill you. Let's take a break. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and I'll be right back in a couple minutes. Okay, welcome back to the rebellion here. I said in the introduction that if our alma mater, our other mother, sidebar here, what does alma mater mean? We all use the phrase all the time. We talk about our high schools being our alma maters, our colleges being our alma maters. Well, the Words alma mater are Latin for nourishing mother. Mater means mother. That's Latin for mother. So every time you're talking about your alma mater, you're talking about your other mother. We've held the academy, the ivory tower, your local schools, the institutions that you attended and graduated from, we've held them in high regard as if they are our other mothers. Well, in my article for the Washington Times that was published just yesterday, I said this, if America's other mother is willing to sell the souls of its children to this LGBTQIABLMSJWCRT nonsense, this worship of this other God, uh, sell her children, sacrifice her children on the altar of this Baal of a God, they're actually dumbs down the definition of her children to nothing but a fabrication and a fantasy and doesn't even treat children as if they're real? Willing to butcher them at the hands of Planned Parenthood, yes, but even after they're born, just as bad to butcher their souls by subjecting them at the youngest ages to this junk in our local school systems, then our other mother is not nourishing at all. She's little more than a prostitute. And in my article in the Washington Times, I I comment on this very boldly and very aggressively. And I say this, it's commonly accepted 
this adage, this adage is commonly accepted that if you want to make somebody angry, all you need to do is criticize their mom. I mean, you know that. I mean, schoolyard uh, bullying at the youngest ages in elementary school, if you really wanted to get at somebody, you insulted their mother. And, and you can commit a whole host of other sins against friends or foes. And in most cases, you'll receive a little more than an indifferent shrug. But if you, if you suggest somebody's mom is a prostitute, the gloves will come off. And I would argue this principle holds true not only for one's biological parent, but also for that other mother, that alma mater, that nourishing mother, at least supposed to be, that other mother that we have that almost all of us share in common. And that other mother is our alma maters, otherwise known as our local public schools, the institutions that raised us. That's why we have homecomings. We go back home to our other mother. That's why we hold our local schools in such high regard and have such loyalty toward them. It's because in our, in, in our DNA, we respect them. We respect the teachers. We respect the principals. Some of these people are our heroes that we remember for the rest of our lives because they changed our lives for the good. But is that reality in our local school system changing from a nourishing mother to one that is little more than a corrupt prostitute? Well, as you know, I've said over and over again on this show that I've spent my entire career in the academy. And I know a lot of this stuff to be true because of my personal experience. And I know that what I say offends other people that currently work within academic institutions. They feel as if I'm attacking them. And I want to say right now, if you're one of the good ones out there fighting the good fight, I am not attacking you. And in fact, I think you know that. You're probably not protesting. But those folks that get all up in arms and defensive just because I dare to challenge the local schools or the schools at large, or higher education, or Christian higher education. If you get all up in arms and you get all uppity about it and defensive about it, you might want to stop and do a little bit of a personal check here. Because are you protesting too much? If you're in the same camp as I am and you're trying to fight against this nonsense, you're not going to assume that this critique is directed at you. You're going to stand up and applaud and say, yes, yes, I've been saying that all along. I'm saying the same thing to my peers, to my principal, to my superintendent, to my local community. I've been saying as a teacher in the local system that this stuff has to stop. I've been refusing to teach it, and I've put my career on the line for refusing to do so. If you're in that camp, you're not going to be offended by what I'm saying right now. But if you're not in that camp, I have to ask you why. So back to my point. I've spent my entire career in the academy, and I know what I'm saying. I know what I'm saying right now is true, and I feel I have an obligation to say it. If there's one thing I learned in my 35 years in the ivory tower, it's this. You can find fault in just about anything you want without fear of reprisal. I mean, that's the nature of the academy. It's a critical industry. You're, you're taught to critique, to think otherwise. Um, and, and that's good. That's okay. Uh, I do think we should also recognize that the ultimate goal of learning is to find something positive and not always be negative about this stuff. And even in this show, I'm suggesting positive things. There are solutions the solutions are obvious. You know, you teach what's good, not, not what's bad. You teach morality, not moral nihilism. You, t- you teach personal responsibility, not collective blame. I mean, I have solutions, and they're, 
they're not just mine. I mean, we've tried them before and they worked. We built an entire civilization on these good ideas. Maybe we would be wise to return to them. So in the academy, in our schools, you can critique about anything you want. You can find fault with about anything you want without any fear of reprisal. But if you dare to point out that mom is sleeping around, then all hell will break loose and the wrath of Khan will fall upon you. Don't you dare criticize our public schools or our local university. How dare you? I, I find that to be curious at best. Well, let me give you some examples of how I know this to be true. In 2015, you know the story, I told an entire nation of college students that my university was not a place for them if they wanted to be coddled rather than confronted. I said, this is not a daycare. And if that's the kind of school you want, then go someplace else. And what was the result of me saying that? Well, despite NBC Today and newspapers across the land, and even in Oxford, England, and in the Far East, in spite of the fact that Drudge and Dreher and Limbaugh and Beck and Huckabee and NBC and ABC and CBS and the Washington Post and the Washington Times and the Chronicle of Higher Education and the Canadian Broadcasting Network, despite the fact that NBC Today, go back, let's go back to them, cited what I just described to you as one of the top 10 stories of the year, one of their top 10 stories of the year, what did my academic peers do? What did they resort to? Well, weeping and gnashing of teeth. They didn't celebrate that critique where I called out the, the snowflakes and said, grow up. If you want to be coddled rather than confronted, this isn't the place for you. If you want me to make you feel good about yourself rather than challenge you, then you're at the wrong school. And how did my peers, you know, everybody responded positively. Even the secular media responded positively to that story. But my peers, well, there was lamentation. How dare you besmirch the academy, they cried. You called our mom names. And then in 2017, it happened again. At the height of the Me Too movement, I wrote another article, and I suggested that today's long list of boorish miscreants might have something in common. They're products of what? Our nation's schools. And as such, they might just be acting out the failed ideas that they've been taught at their respective what? Alma maters. I said, teach lechery and you're going to get lectures. And what was the result? Well, again, in spite of, or maybe even perhaps because of, my comments receiving a little bit of national attention. I was on Tucker Carlson's show for saying that. The local school superintendent here in Bartlesville, Oklahoma, issued a public letter calling me little more than a firebrand. That's his language. And the local teachers union, the Bartlesville Education Association, called for a boycott of the university that I was serving as president of at the time. Well, that'll really solve the problem, won't it? You've got a bunch of garbage going on in your culture, and what are you going to do? You're going to boycott the local Christian university and not hire or use any of their graduates from the School of Education. Uh, that makes all the sense in the world, doesn't it? So in, in other words, you insulted our mother, they cried. How dare you say that our mother is a bad parent? You get my point here? Well, let's fast forward. Those two examples of 2015 and 2017 aren't the end of the story. In fact, it's just the beginning of the story. If you fast forward to just last week, the 2022 school board elections that just took place, 
Well, here are some facts pertaining to the school district that I've been talking about, the one here in Bartlesville, Oklahoma. And again, the reason that all of you should be listening to this, whether you're in Oklahoma or Ohio or Kentucky or Texas or Kansas or New York, I don't care where you are, you should be listening to this right now because this is the canary in the cave, the canary in the mine. In spite of the fact that Oklahoma is touted as the reddest of red states, with not one county voting blue in four successive presidential elections, and the fact that the northeast corner of Oklahoma is touted as a bastion of conservative heartland values, our local schools are, well, how should I say it? They appear to be a hedonistic mess. Let me give you the examples. Consider these following things. The high school here locally in this district is that I've cited above. It proudly flies the politically laden rainbow and transgender flags in classrooms. I've got screenshots of it. That's not made up. You've got one teacher sitting at her desk with a rainbow flag on one side of her and the transgender flag behind her. That's in the local conservative high school. And then in the same school system, you have progressive teachers openly telling their students to declare their grammar butchering preferred pronouns at the beginning of the school year. Again, does that sound like a problem to you? Do you think that that may lead to some given consequences? You're pushing the rainbow agenda by having professors, authority figures, mentors, other mothers flying the rainbow flag and all that it implies, as well as the transgender flag and all that it brings with it. And then in the same school, you've got teachers asking their students to declare their pronouns. Again, grammar be damned. We're just going to butcher that and play this stupid game of defining ourselves by pronouns that make no sense. Plural, excuse me, plural pronouns, say that five times fast, plural pronouns, for singular situations and singular for plural situations. It makes no sense. It's all subjective. It's all nonsense. You can't define the bricks any longer and therefore the tower crumbles. The school library for this conservative community uh, proudly promotes Toni Morrison's book, The Bluest Eye. Now, I've talked about that book. There's a full page, full page, salacious description of a father raping his daughter in that book. And that's a good thing. We want to teach our students that material. Well, apparently so, because we're doing this stuff in the local school system. Uh, Parents have come to me. I've had one father come to me and tell me about his son avoiding using the common restrooms in the local high school because, according to the son, it's well known that you could stumble across other students having sex in those bathrooms. And in addition to that, the bathrooms reek of marijuana. excuse me, and according to the father, quote-unquote, nobody will do anything about it. So what does his son do when he needs to use the facilities? He goes over to the field house rather than use the restroom just down the hallway from his class because Lord knows what you're going to find if you go into that restroom. That, again, is in the local school system. And if you're sitting back saying, well, that's not happening in my school, oh, my land, you are, you're crazy. You've got your head stuck in the sand. It is going on everywhere. If the, can- if the canary is dead here in northeast Oklahoma, then those poisonous gases are in your local schools too. And your kids, 
their souls are going to suffer the same fate. All right, there's more. The president of this district that I'm talking about right now, Bartlesville Public School District, the president of the board is on record endorsing a local politician who openly celebrates a buy and poly, quote-unquote, lifestyle on her social media. And this politician champions the moral good of a boy stealing a girl's bathroom, shower, and sport by calling upon the people of Oklahoma to call Governor Stitt and tell him to veto the bill that he just signed. Thankfully, this politician did not prevail. Governor Stitt signed the Save Women's Sports Act for Oklahoma. But we've got the school board district president for Bartlesville Public Schools endorsing a politician who openly celebrates and defines herself as by Polly in her social media, and then she calls upon the people of our community to call the governor and ask him to veto a bill that would save women's sports. And she actually says in that posting in her Facebook that trans girls are girls and they deserve the right to compete in girls' sports. In other words, she has no respect whatsoever for the objective definition of what it means to be a female. And she thinks boys should be able to steal those things that should be held in reserve for girls. Talk about cultural appropriation, right? And the superintendent of the same school district that I'm talking about here in Heartland America just instructed, apparently, I got this directly, I got this directly from um, uh, a Gideon. Uh, there was a spokesperson for the school superintendent the day after the school board elections last week that called the Gideons and said that they could no longer offer free New Testaments to the children in the local Bartlesville Public Schools elementary schools. And by the way, if you don't know what the Gideons are, it's an organization that's been distributing this nefarious book called the New Testament to our community students for over 50 years. And again, that'll really solve the problem, won't it? You know, you push Tony Morrison's bluest eye on our students, get them to read a full-page description of salacious rape, but you won't let our students read the New Testament? Does this sound like a conservative community? Does this sound right? Does this sound like you're going to train up a generation that understands how to behave properly? And here's the thing. For pointing all of this out, what is the response you get and I get from the local educational establishment and its defenders? What do you get if you point this stuff out? All of which is a fact. All of it is a fact. You get cries of, well, you're attacking us. How dare you say such things about our mother? That, that's what you get. You have to ask yourself, has loyalty to mom... Has loyalty to a mother who's known to be sleeping around with endless, with an endless menagerie of boorish Johns, has that become more important than giving our kids a decent education? I, I understand. I'm proud of my institutions that I've attended. I understand wanting to go back to your campus for homecoming whether it be your high school or your college. I understand the reunions that we have, class reunions and whatnot, because we're getting together and celebrating times in our lives that by and large were positive. We're remembering, like I said at the beginning of the show, the heroes 
that affected and impacted our lives. Good teachers. Good teachers, our kindergartner teacher, our first, second grade, third grade teachers, that first coach you had in eighth grade that gave you, gave you an opportunity to actually play and perform and opened up the world for stuff that you never really dreamed of experiencing because that coach believed in you. That principal, who was known for being a moral leader rather than a spineless follower. I understand getting together and celebrating those things. But we again, we have to ask ourselves, have we come to a point in our society where loyalty to this, this dream, this image of what education used to be, is, is misplaced? Loyalty to a mom who's known to be sleeping around, like I said, use that analogy, with this uh, bunch of Boris Johns seems to have become more important than giving our kids a decent education. Loyalty to our alma mater, our other mother, seems to be much more important than the souls of our own children. And that's wrong. You know, Jesus once warned that it's better for you to have a millstone tied around your neck and be cast into the sea than to lead one of his little ones astray. I'm going to say that again. Jesus held children in the highest regard. He said, suffer the little children not to come unto me. You, you do not stop these kids from coming to me. He said that to his disciples. He was very firm with them. Do not stop these children from coming to me. He said, unless we have the faith of a child, I'll say that one more time, unless we have the faith of a child, we will not enter the kingdom of heaven. That innocence that we should be guarding and protecting, the innocence of children, that's what we should be reaching for ourselves, that purity of a child, not compromising it and butchering a child's soul on this altar of Baal, of LGBTQ nonsense. Jesus said, it's better for you to have a millstone tied around your neck and be cast into the sea than to lead his little ones astray and compromise the innocence of children. Here's the thing. You might want to start investing in millstones because it appears there's about to be a run on the market. Not just in New York City and San Francisco and Washington, D.C., but even in Heartland America, even in the reddest of red states, in the conservative corner of the reddest of red states. If the canary up here is dying, then you better pay attention because those gases are pervasive throughout the entire culture. If it's killing the canary here in Oklahoma, you bet your bottom dollar the same thing is happening in your own backyard. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion.